morning and welcome back. See, we're cheery again after with our new fucking intro, but I don't think it's ever going to change. No, it doesn't Cheery kittens, cool cats and kittens. So, I'm Lydia. I'm Grace. And together, we are everything with the girls. Ooh. Can you imagine if we tried to say that together? We'd fuck up so many times. That would make me cringe a bit, to be fair. Yeah. So I would ask you how your week's been, but we're in the same fucking week because we're bulk recording. <laughs> so we're bulk recording because we're just trying to live our best lives, I guess. We're trying to be professional, okay? So we literally just recorded. So the, we literally just recorded the Shepherd's Bush murders. So as far as our chit chat, how's your week going? Thing going? It's the same as it it's been great so far. Yeah. <laughs> it was the same as before. Yeah. So this week's episode is about a young British teenager called Leslie Whittle. So let us set the scene, okay? It's 1970 and a 13-year-old Leslie has just inherited £82,000. What the actual fuck? From her incredibly rich father, George, who had just passed away. Leslie's brother, Ronald, got £107,000 in inheritance and we're not saying that he was the favourite child, but like make of that what you Yeah, want. let's just put that in there. Let's just there could be other circumstances, but we we don't know. Not that only does he probably get paid more than Leslie, because he's mm-hmm. a man, he's also getting more inheritance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in addition to this, George's girlfriend and also the mother to Leslie received seventy thousand pounds plus a selection of estates that were in George's name. So her inheritance will be off the charts yeah so he's died and he's given his girlfriend a whole load of money yeah Yeah. so on top of this george's estranged wife selena heard about the inheritance and decided that she wanted a piece of the action obviously like mind you if she's only estranged and they're not divorced legally is she not entitled to something i'm also not 100 percent sure if she might be ronald's mum i'm not really sure Okay. There's no information. We just know that the she's the estranged wife. Yeah, so they haven't been together for a long, 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 long time. Yeah. So in May 1972, legal proceedings began to obtain money from her husband's estate. This story was picked up by several news outlets, such as the Daily Express and The Sun. Fast forward five years. It's 1975 and Leslie is now a beautiful young 18-year-old and a rich one at that. Mm. On January the 14th, 1975, Dorothy returned home. Sorry, I forgot to mention George's girlfriend and Leslie's mum is called Dorothy. I don't know why okay. I forgot to put that in there. She's Dorothy. So Dorothy returns home at 1.30 in the morning after being out for the evening partying. She Ooh. found her daughter asleep in bed and so went to bed, taking two sleeping pills before she eventually fell asleep herself. I'm not being funny, but if I was 18 years old and my mum was out partying and I wasn't, there's something not right there. But also, if that, well, that did occur because my parents did go out, like, not partying, but, like, they'd go out for dinner with friends, they wouldn't come in and check on me, like, as an 18-year-old. They might have, though. You never know. You're asleep. You might not have known. Nah, I was, most of the time I was awake when they got in, but they, like, wouldn't, it would be, like, me going out, like, to say goodnight to them, but, like, yeah, they wouldn't come in and check on me to make sure I was asleep or whatever. I don't think that's so. a weird thing, though. I don't know. I don't know. My parents just didn't love me. Yeah, yeah maybe that's more about your childhood. 
When Dorothy eventually woke up the next morning, she discovered in Leslie's bedroom that her daughter's clothes for the day were untouched and a ransom note punched out on a six-foot strip of Dymo tape. So I, I had to look what a Dymo tape is. It's essentially tape that's come from a corporation called Dymo. So it's just like... Like sticky tape. Yeah, like sticky tape yeah. by the company Dymo. I don't know. But he like the guy that took her likes Dymo tape for some reason. Fuck knows why. <laughs> the note demanded £50,000 and it instructed the family not to contact the police but to wait for a telephone call at a phone box at the Swan Shopping Centre in Kidderminster that evening. So it's all getting very... Oh, it's Kidderminster. It's like Taken. It's getting very Taken-y. Yeah. Kidderminster, fuck knows where that is, but I swear that's not far. Isn't it near Milton Keynes? There are somewhere like that. I don't know. Anyway, well, let's have a look. I don't know. This is from someone who's always saying, don't ask me where this is. I don't know either. I've heard of Kidderminster. Yeah. Kidderminster, town in England, uh, Worcestershire. That doesn't make it any more helpful for me because fuck knows where Worcestershire is. <laughs> uh, so it's Worcestershire, not far from Worcester, obviously. Um, edge of Wales, just oh. southwest of Birmingham. <laughs> Nowhere yeah. near Milton Keynes then, sorry. <laughs> no. I may wonder why I ha- how I got a U in Geography A level, sorry. There's your answer. <laughs> it's like halfway between me and Bath, okay. like directly. Yeah. So Dorothy picks up her phone to ring Ronald, but on finding it dead, she so she picked up the home phone. Mm-hmm. And she found it dead. This is the 70s. Yeah. So she's rushed in her dressing gown to her car. She drives to Ronald's house and then returns with Ronald and his wife back to the family home. Upon returning, they found a second copy of the ransom note tucked inside a box of Turkish Delight. Kind of weird. Did he just get peckish? No, it's kind of weird though, isn't it? Because why? one, why would you think to look there? And two, imagine if like three, three months later you were like, oh, I fancied a bit of Turkish Delight and then found a ransom note. You would hide it in a very obvious place. Yeah. It's weird to me. Um, I don't know. After they discovered that Leslie's dressing gown and slippers were missing, this confirmed to them that Leslie had been kidnapped, and Ronald immediately called the police and ignored the first ransom note. I feel like a lot of people would do that, though. Yeah, I mean, you would. No no um, yeah. criticism there. But... It's, like, it's almost like... A waste of time for a kidnapper to say, don't call the police. Yeah. <laughs> because in every situation, you're going to call the police because you don't know how to handle this situation. So the story quickly leaked to the press and was carried on the evening television news that day. No telephone call came from the Swan Shopping Centre either. Whether or not that was because the story had leaked to the press, I mean, that's what I think. Mm. You probably thought, like, oh, I'm going to have to go a different way about this. Mm. Yeah. So two days later, on the 16th of January, at 11.45, Dorothy received a phone call. It was a recording of Leslie confirming that she was okay and that someone from the family needed to go to the phone box in Kidsgrove, Stoke-on-Trent. Like, that's that's a drive. Yeah. Like, Jesus. To receive a second message that was behind the blackboard of the phone box. Ronald and Dorothy both confirmed the voice on the phone was Leslie's, so decided that Ronald would be the one to go to the phone box whilst being monitored by the police radio network that could give him assistance within two minutes. On the 17th of January at 1.30am, 
Ronald left Bridgenorth Police Station with a suitcase full of £50,000 and drove to Kidsgrove. After searching for 30 minutes, he found another Dymo tape message that directed him to Bathpool Park, which was situated 1.5 miles away. The message stated this. Go to the top of the lane and turn into no entry. Go to the wall and flashlights. Look for a torch light. Run to torch. <laughs> Further instructions on torch. I'm sorry. Do you not know English? How excessive is that? Go That's to the top like of the lane. More... Turn into your no entry. Go to the wall. Flash your lights. Look for a torch light. Run to the light. Follow instructions. What? You know what that sounds like? That sounds like a message that has been put through Morse code and then there's been like Just translated. Give me the message there. No, Why do so, I have like... to go all this way to find a message? But like, even the language of it, it's like it's so start and stop. Do this, do that, do this, do that. Yeah. Then Ronald went to Bathball Park. He turned into the no entry sign as instructed, but in the dark, he didn't see the low wall that edged the railway bridge and ended up driving onto the end of the lane. He stopped, flashed his lights, and then got out of the car and shouted, but there was no one there. Ronald left the park and met up again with the police at an arranged meeting point. A subsequent search of Bathball Park by police revealed no clues. Yet another dead end. I'm kind of thinking, like, I'm just going to say it, that this is, like, maybe Leslie running away and wanting money to run away <laughs> so far. And do you not know what happens? No, I, I've yeah, never heard of this. Interesting, everybody. What's that's why I'm, that's so why I'm saying. That's why I'm saying so far okay. I'm kind of thinking, like... I think it's it's either, like blind goose chase or he's so close to finding her and he's missed her yeah 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 a week later west midlands police contacted west mercia and on the same night of the failed ransom drop a car had been left near the dudley freightliner terminal where security guard gerald smith had been shot in the back and was now in hospital recovering in the car were cassette tapes with Leslie Whittle's voice on it, her slippers and a roll of plastic tape, which is the what's the name tape that the message was being left on, I, I assume. Ballistics evidence and fingerprints on the cartridges also linked to the same man to the Freightliner shooting, the previous post office robberies. And therefore, not only was this man Leslie's kidnapper, he was also an armed robber and a murderer. This man was known to the public as the Black Panther. Oh, we've got a nickname. And we do have a nickname because nicknames sell. And wow. we've just mentioned some post office robberies and you're probably all thinking, what the fuck are they talking about? So I'm going to do a little side note here and I'm going to tell you about some post office robberies. But before <laughs> I do that, remember, this guy has shot this guy called Gerald Smith. We don't know why. Mm-hmm. He's basically like in hospital, might be dying. They found this car that's stolen and it has Leslie's cassette tapes with her voices on it. So that's three things. And now he's been linked to a fourth thing, these post office robberies. So what are the post office robberies? Well, in 1974, the murder of two sub postmates and the husband of a sub postmistress not sure what a sub postmaster and a sub postmistress is, but I know a postmaster is like the head of the post office. I think it's just yeah, that's they're just postmates. I don't know, like they're they're postmen who don't deliver the post. Like they're in maybe they're in the post office. I don't know. Yeah. So 
The murder of two of them and the husband, as well as the brutal attack of sub-postmistress Margaret Grayland, took place. Donald Skepper was murdered in February 1974. Derek Astin was murdered in September 1974. And Sidney Grayland in November 1974. So these aren't all just, it's not just one big attack. Yeah. They're separate, four separate attacks, three murders, one attempted murder. Yeah. The term Black Panther was coined after the murder of Derek Astin. As during an interview with the local television reporter, Astin's wife, Marion, described her husband's killer as so quick he was like a panther. Alluding to the killer's dark clothing, the enterprising reporter ended his piece by asking, where is the Black Panther? And the nickname stuck. This man was also linked to the attempted murder of Gerald Smith as the bullets fired at Gerald were from the same pistol used in the post office murders. So let's go back to Leslie. So on the 5th of March, Chief Superintendent Booth and Ronald Whittle both appeared on national and local television. The next day, a headmaster at a local school told police that a pupil had brought him a piece of dymo tape that read, quote, dropped the suitcase in the hole. And subsequently, other people had found a torch wedged in the grills on what was locally known as the glory hole, which was essentially just one of the cat's ventilation shafts of the old Harecastle tunnel. So basically... I mean, why is it called the glory I don't know, because it's a hole. I don't know, they can fit a a torch in it and possibly someone's willy, if they felt like it. kids these days yeah, yeah they'll shag anything <laughs> filthy minds <laughs> so these items were found weeks ago by um these pupils but unfortunately the police didn't make all the goings on in the case public knowledge so no one knew to report it and it's just yeah. it's just a piece of tape that says drop the suitcase into a hole and a torch you wouldn't think oh that's suspicious i know but like and i understand why the police didn't um make it known because you don't want to give out too much information because then you could get false like false copycats yeah well it's because they were dealing with a ransom so you don't want to make it all public and you also don't want to give this guy the satisfaction of knowing that everyone's talking about him yeah it's like with the yorkshire ripper they thought they had like the person who was writing in yeah they thought that was was and they found they made the link Yeah. yeah they found out that the link was all he was saying was the information that was in the newspapers. Like, it, there was nothing to say. This was me. Like, um, but yeah, so I think there's a fine line between giving out too much information and just enough so that you get actual, like, um, genuine Legit. help yeah. from the public. Yeah, and you can it's also see enough. why the, the teacher and the students didn't say anything to the police, because why would you? It's just yeah. very unfortunate. Yeah. Um, so on the 6th of March 1975, police started a second thorough search of Bathpool Park, stating, starting sorry, with the so-called glory hole, within which a detective constable found a dymo tape machine and a roll of dymo tape. Oh, there's a link here. You know what I'm thinking dymo tape is? You know, the like label makers. Yeah. That tape, you know, where you punch it out. With the machine, it might be. It might be. Yeah, I just looked it up. So on, it's not um, actually Google. like sticky tape. I just looked it up on Google. Yeah, it is. It's, 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 it's label maker tape. Oh, is it? So it's it's like you know, like the serial killer. Yeah, like, that sort of thing. 
Um, so we don't fit to the crime. So yeah, in the first hole, they find this diamond machine and a roll of diamond An inspection of the second shaft revealed nothing, and the third shaft was the deepest of the three, and it was once an air ventilation shaft for Nelson's coal mine, and it was un- was. So it wasn't filled in, like it went all the yeah, way down. Caps, yeah, and I can't really, I don't know if you can understand what the shafts are, what they would look like. In my brain, I can't really. I imagine they're like, almost like chimneys that just pop out the ground, you know, like the, the small metal ones. I think, I don't know, that's what I think in my head. Yeah. Um, anyway, there were three and the third one was really, really deep. So you could go right down in it. Yeah. So investigations carried on into the next day. Accessed by a vertical ladder, 22 feet on the first landing. So they're going into the third um, shaft. So Mm -hmm. you go down and 22 feet down, there's like a landing that you can stand on. So on this landing, they find a broken police torch, um, which was found from the previous day's work. So they know it's theirs. Uh, To me, it's very sloppy. Further 45 feet down, there's a second landing. And on this landing, they found a cassette tape recorder. Um, I don't think they found anything in it. I think it was just an empty cassette tape recorder, but they're getting suspicious now. So they go down down to the bottom, 54 more feet on the third landing. And the team finds a rolled up sleeping bag that was acting as a pillow, um, a foam mattress and a survival blanket. Leslie's body was also there unfortunately Mm. she was found hanging from a steel wire only seven inches from the bottom of the shaft so imagine it's like a massive shaft and there's these ledges going down she's obviously being kept on this third ledge at the bottom i don't know if she was tied up and like kept there so she couldn't leave yeah or what's happened to her but she's fallen off this third shaft so she's like dangling off of it just not touching the floor. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So there's a long wire that. That's how they found her. So it's a big mystery. But, like, was her hanging deliberate or not? Like, well, we shall see. Okay. But honestly, they would have never found her there. I know. Her teacher had not said. And if you think she could have said that, she could, yeah, she, she could have been there forever. Yeah, because what else? Like, what other... Mm. evidence would there be and if to you think there? that's their second search of that area they already searched it the first night when ronald went there and they found absolutely nothing so poor yeah. effort really because even these students have found stuff yeah like if you know that there's like that that shaft is open it's kind of common like if there was a cave there or something you'd know to go and search yeah. in there yeah you know what i mean Further inspections of the floor of the shaft, seven feet below the third landing, found three-inch strips of elastoplast, which had been used as a blindfold. A pair of brown size 7 trainers, more dymo tape, a cassette tape, a microphone and lead, a flask, blue trousers, and a reporter's notepad. Out of all the evidence seized that day, detectives only found one partial fingerprint after four months of every other fingerprint investigation in the nation practically being put on hold, no match had been found. Leslie's kidnapper and murderer soon became Britain's most wanted man. How have I never heard of this case before? I know. Did you know about it before we did this? No. Can you edit this out? Will you hear this? I don't know. 
I can try. Sometimes sometimes it's quite good for like blocking out background noise. Uh, no, I'd never um, heard of this case before in my life. Yeah. In December 1975, two police officers spotted a man seen acting suspiciously in Mansfield, who turned out to be 39-year-old Donald Nielsen. Is that Nielsen? Nielsen. No, we're thinking of Nelson. Dennis Nelson. Right. That's what okay. I did. I was like, what? That's not the type of person you normally go That's for. That's what I did. No, they're two different people. Yeah. Okay. Armed with a sawn-off shotgun, he was arrested with the help of several customers in a nearby fish and chip shop. They were just looking for their Friday night tea. I know. Leave them alone, Donald. In the subsequent investigation, Nielsen's fingerprint were found to match one of those in the drain shaft. In the interview at Kids Grove Police Station, when he confessed to Whittle's kidnapping, Nielsen gave an 18-page statement to DCS Harold Wright, head of Staffordshire CID, and Commander Morrison of Scotland Yard. But it's, 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 doesn't it, it continually baffles me that these people get caught by pure chance? I know, I know. It is mad, isn't it? It's ridiculous. Like, you'd like to think that criminals are caught by incredible police work and all this, and I know a lot goes into police work and investigations, but it is, like always by chance like almost always by chance mm. like look i'm gonna bring it up again because i still haven't finished that documentary the yorkshire ripper, the yorkshire ripper was purely because of literally his, his license plate or something, yeah wasn't it? he was he yeah he was driving a car with like the wrong license plate or something yeah mm. yeah um it is it is mad how it happens it happens all um, the time so it's either they either catch them because the criminal is too cocky, like they just get too big of too big for the boots, like Mary Bell. Like yeah. she couldn't control her excitement for her crimes. Either evidence, like with um the Shepherd's Bush murders, mm. because he was linked to the car. Again, because the criminal is stupid. Or pure luck. Yeah. Like right place at the right time. Literally. That's it. So What actually happened the night Leslie went missing? So requiring money, Nielsen had read about the dispute between Whittle and Selina and the inheritance left to his children. He decided that he was going to kidnap either Ronald or Dorothy and hold them until he received a 50,000 ransom. They've just received like £250,000 altogether and three houses. They're not worried about £50,000. Yeah. Police also later... But I suppose it's the principle of it, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah, definitely. Um, Police also later discovered that Nielsen had actually been planning this kidnap for three years and had read a 1972 news article pertaining to inheritance Dorothy had received. So this was premeditated. On the night of the 14th of January 1975, Nielsen had cut the telephone wire to the house, which is why Dorothy couldn't phone Ronald. Was dead. And he had then entered the Whittles home through the garage. I actually also read somewhere that he cut that phone wire thinking that was the security wire. Oh, Jesus. Is that fucking dumb? I mean, you're actually kind of thinking cutting the phone wire is quite smart because then it's. Yeah, but it was actually just an accident. <laughs> yeah, so it's, you're not actually being smart, it's just coincidence. So, um, Nielsen encountered Leslie by mistake 
and decided to kidnap her instead. Nielsen gagged the teenager, took her to his green Morris car, tied her up and laid her down in the back seat. Nielsen then confesses to driving Leslie to Bath Ball Park in Kidsgrove, Staffordshire. He then forced her down into the drainage shaft of the nearby reservoir. Inside the shaft, he placed a hood over her head, removed the dressing gown leaving her naked, and then tethered her to the side of the shaft by a wire noose. God, that would have been so cold down there. Yeah, awful. Horrible. The middle of January, and then you're making her stay there naked as well. Like, Yeah, yeah, I actually forgot that it was January. Yeah, you're right. die of hypothermia. Yeah. yeah. It's widely believed that Nielsen pushed Whittle off the ledge into the drainage shaft, strangling her. But another scenario is that Wilson was not present and Whittle died, um, and that he fled the scene the night of the failed ransom collection without returning to the shaft believing that the police were closing in on him, leaving Whittle alive in the dark for a considerable time before falling to her death. So he either pushed her, she either fell, or she either did it herself. I mean, Mm -hmm. I don't think that's beyond the realms of possibility that she did that to herself. Can you imagine? No. Yeah. And she was there. I think they, I don't know when they found, when did they find her? The 7th of March? A couple of weeks. Yeah, the 7th of March. So that's like two months, actually. Yeah. The post-mortem examine showed that Whittle had not died from strangulation. She'd actually died from instantly from vaginal inhibition. Apparently, that is the shock of a fall causing your heart to stop beating. Sure. Um, and the pathologist reported that Whittle weighed only seven stone when she was found. Her stomach and intestines were completely empty and she was really emaciated so not only is she down there freezing naked and alone she is also not being fed yeah so if she's down there for a few weeks without being fed or watered so hair dying from heart failure yeah makes sense like and I really feel like after two months you would just think I can't, I'm, I'm just gonna end this mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. I mean I can see how you would think that yeah some people keep fighting keep going on don't they yeah. yeah, it's just torture, isn't it? Horrible, yeah. So during his trial at Oxford Crown Court, Nielsen's defence lawyer suggested that Whittle had accidentally fallen from the ledge and hung herself, and that Nielsen had cared for her, feeding her chicken soup, spaghetti and meatballs, and buying her fish and chips. All right, so why was her body yeah. so malnourished? Well, you didn't yeah. because her entire body was empty. Yeah, and like she died of heart failure because she was so malnourished, like... In July 1976, Nielsen was convicted of Whittle's murder, for which he was given a life sentence and a total of 61 years for other offences. So those are the... Like, yeah, the don't forget, he's also murdered three or four yeah, other yeah, people. Yeah. So three weeks later, he was convicted of the murder of the three post office workers and given three further life sentences. So he is never, ever getting out of prison. Woohoo. As a result of this, he was never charged with the attempted murder of Gerald Smith. That kind of makes me sad, though. You know, when... Who was it? Was it Dennis Nelson, that programme about him, where they said to that woman, like, oh, your husband's not going to get anything because there's no point in us even charging him for his murder. Yeah. It's still shitty, isn't it? It is... Yeah, like you can sort of understand it because he's got so much on him that he's never getting out. But it's also the case of, well, you're still not. Yeah, I still want justice. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. 
Um, in 2008, after now serving 32 years in prison, Nielsen was suffering from motor neuron disease and appealed against his sentence, requesting to be commuted to a maximum of 30 years. Basically, he was asking for parole. However, this was denied and Mr. Justice Tier ruled that he must never release from prison. Nielsen died in hospital, still serving his sentence, in December 2011. So, calm is a bitch, as we've Yeah, I mean, my these cases. That is not fun. Yeah. No. In no way, shape or form. So, that is the case of Leslie Whittle. Um, yeah. I mean, I that's probably one of the most interesting ones we've done so far for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's crazy that I never knew about it. I know. I know. Yeah, I think it, I find it so weird, don't you? How like everyone in the world knows who Ted Bundy is or Jeffrey Dahmer is, but there's crimes like these that are kind of pretty prolific, but no one knows about yeah. it. And it's and like, why? Like, so you always get it though, don't you? Especially in this country, because even in this country, most American crimes are like always yeah. in the news. Because that's even Do like you know what I mean? like before we I watched that Yorkshire Ripper documentary, I never realised what he, it was like. Because that's not as interesting mm. as fucking John Wayne yeah. Gacy or Ed Gein or I can think I of mean, like a million American serial killers. Because America is so far away, even in our like concept, mm. like the way we think about it, it is you can f- almost find the interest in cases like that because it's not close to home. Yeah. Whereas with like the Yorkshire Ripper, because it is close to home, you don't really find interest in it. You just see how bad it was. But then because so much time has passed, we can see the interest in it now, like as to what went on. It is always the case, though, isn't it? Like, why are we so interested in crime and murders and stuff? But Yeah. Can't give you an answer. Just I'm interested. <laughs> like, That's it, isn't it? We're just finding it interesting. Yeah. We're just riding, yeah. riding the wave of life, listening to this horrible stuff. But for some reason, the more you know, the safer you can be. That's true. That's the way I think of it. So always keep your doors and windows locked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Minimum. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave us a comment on Instagram and let us know of any cases you'd like us to cover. And also, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Follow us on Instagram. It's at Everything with the Girls Pods. Subscribe to us on Spotify, and of course, like I just said, we are also on Apple Podcasts. If you're one of those weirdos that don't have Spotify. Yeah, that's it. We'll see you next week. We're going to do a family murder. How exciting. (laughs) That's one way to put it. Can't wait to talk about that. An absolute massacre. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) All right. See you later. Bye. Bye.